Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, we're doing season two, episode one, two, and three of uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Uh, this week we do have a special guest with us. It's it's Doc from Sword.Zone. What's good? Hey, how you doing? Uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, and especially Second Gig, is my favorite anime of all time. Hell Pretty yeah. Good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Requested specifically to show up for this episode, so... Uh, Glad to have you. Um, it's three episodes, and they're pretty, actually pretty packed with stuff, especially the the first one. The second one, less so, but the first one, really, they like they establish a lot of the stuff that seems like it's going to lead into the rest of the season. Yeah, they have to yeah. Yeah, like wrap up some of the stuff from last season, and also like provide context to what's going on in this season. So, uh, I guess we might as well yeah, go ahead, take it away, Kubo. Jump on yeah. into it if we want to. Um, the first uh, this is the first time we're gonna see the new uh, intro for season two, which is uh, titled "Rise." So I guess we'll probably talk about that for a second. Um, it's still Yoko Kano's music. It's still half in Russian. It still sounds good. Um, we see a bunch of shots of like Section Nine doing stuff in like civilian uh, clothing. They're all dressed in like black and they're walking around looking cool, like they should be in some sort of band or something. It looks a lot less like a PlayStation One cutscene. Yes, that's one of the reasons why I like it more. <laughs> Um, we see a whole bunch of stuff happening in shadows. We see some new different tanks and choppers and tachikomas and some new characters. Uh, you may have spotted a guy in a white suit and a woman in a red suit and a third guy in shadows. I wonder if they're important. Nah. Yeah. Um, so the episode starts with the cityscapes of choppers. The police are outside a skyscraper and there's a ton of them. So obviously something's happening. There's sniper set up on the roof. Uh, Section 9 van just kind of pulls up to the police line outside. And I love that inside. they kind of just have a mystery machine. It's the same van that they like flipped over, like well, I guess in the movie and also in all the other episodes. But yeah, I guess <laughs> just constantly kind of flipping. Yeah, it's extremely disguised as just one of those completely ambiguous work vans that like SoftBank has and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, not the CIA party van. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so uh, Bato's saying that the police got here quick, and the major is saying they're like, well, the waiting game started now, and we see a bunch of shots of uh, cops like in hallways on the rooftop and choppers, you know. Uh, we get the intro card. Um, this is kind of similar to the ones in season one, except that now instead of standalone and complex episodes, we get individual and individual episodes. And um, there's two sets of dual episodes as well. There's a third category. Ooh, my God. We, we got the multi-ball going on here. I can't keep track of this. Uh, it really doesn't matter too much. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, in the van, the major is giving a brain dive briefing. So instead of setting up the PowerPoint, she just kind of hacks everybody's brain, tell them what's going on. Uh, she group- downloads the PowerPoint to them. Yeah. Uh, a group of people have taken over the Chinese embassy on the like 46th floor of the skyscraper. They took a bunch of hostages, like 10 workers were inside. They don't know what the perps are doing or like what the number of perps are. Um, but the perps call themselves the Individual 11, and that's a title not referring to how many people there are. Um, Togusa asks if the infinite standby in section nine will ever get lifted because they're just kind of sitting around on their hands right now because they haven't really so gotten official orders. So they're like a soccer team, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. like that's a, an eleven. Yeah, like winning eleven, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love I love football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These guys are probably pretty good at football. They uh, seem pretty coordinated. So it's true. Yeah, so the Major doesn't know if they're going to get any new orders yet. Uh, Togusa asks what the individual 11 want, and the Major says that it's the halt, the intake of Asian refugees, the closure of the five refugee residential districts around the country. Uh, this is going to be pretty much the central thesis of most of this uh, season. What to do dealing... about these immigrants. Yeah. Um, Bato obviously says that's insane. There's no way that's going to happen. Like, it's a huge ask politically. 
Um, Bato says that the Chinese government is sending flights of refugees to Dejima to avoid taking them in themselves. Um, I should give a backstory quick on Dejima. It's an artificial island. In, in this context of the show, it's an artificial island off the coast of Japan that hosts all of the refugees. It was the one that we saw the chief drive to in like episode right. 22 or 23, the find his lost brother. Um, historically, it was a Portuguese and Dutch trading post in Nagasaki that was the only open location for foreign trade during World War Yeah, they weren't uh, allowed on the mainland. So they built a little island for them. Yeah, so I, this is one of the things, like, on the first watch of the show, like, I had no idea what they were talking about. But to a Japanese person, there may be a bit more historical context here for this is the island for foreigners. Yeah. So something to keep in mind. Um. They think that the embassy was like a scapegoat target for the group um, because like these group wants people, the individual 11 want, you know, something to be done about the refugees. And so like, oh, the Chinese are sending us flights over, then, you know, let's go take over their building to make a political statement or something. And so uh, the major is checking up on her people. We see shots of like Ishikawa tapping phone lines. We see Saito in a chopper. He's talking about how like he can't see in because there's digital image curtains or something. Um, there's a shot here of the major telling them to stand by and uh, they have to wait on the chief's orders. And like, she says something silly. Like if we don't get any action, we're going to a strip club. I don't know if that's to a very professional bar. major. <laughs> she does say nudie bar in the dub. Yeah. Um, said it in the sub too. It said nudie. I write it. Maybe they're just frustrated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the assembly building that we saw uh, last season. Uh, inside, there's a meeting room. The Minister of Home Affairs, which is that kind of slimy, slug-looking dude. Yeah, yeah the guy who's constantly melting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a Pizza the Hut. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's Aramaki's boss reminder. Uh, we see a young woman in a red suit with black hair. Um, we see a middle-aged man with a bunch of white hair and like some dark black glasses on. And then we see this lackey guy, along with the chief, who's also there. Uh, the Ministry of Home Affairs is telling the chief that uh, the timing on this is super bad. The government was going to announce a new policy regarding the refugees. You know, they were going to stop the influx and do a phased reduction of the residential districts and appeal the special action policy. But the chief is saying that, yeah, um, this is the first time that anybody has changed any of this refugee policy since the war. So obviously you don't want to, you know, give the announcement now and give the impression that you're caving the terrorists. That's pretty bad. Yeah, Oops, it was already in motion. The public reaction to the refugee policy was at first positive because after the war, they needed to have a cheap labor force for reconstruction. However, as reconstruction has basically gone on since then, but the refugees are still getting accepted without, you know, any recourse on that. Uh, public opinion on it starts to go down and down and down until, you know, conservative assholes start to uh, get really heavy handed about it. Is the I'm whole glad idea. that this only happens in the far off future of uh, 2030. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the chief is in this meeting uh, thinking that he's here to help resolve the issue. Um, the woman in the red suit speaks, and we're introduced to Prime Minister Yoko Kabuki. Kaya See, that other guy who is very uh, unremarkable, he's not Prime Minister anymore. No. Um, she's a major character. We'll be seeing a lot of her. It's worth noting um, that she... uh, Kayabuki translates to roof thatch. Roof thatch. All right. Thinking it's a Thatcher joke. Up, so that's funny. Um, yeah, anyway, she's uh, basically making a deal with Aramaki saying that uh, she'll get Section 9 a budget to rebuild and like get the proper authorization for it to be a group again if they take out the terrorists with no death of the hostages. Like That's a huge deal breaker for her. Uh, the chief said, oh, well, ready to go at any time. Uh, the Ministry of Home Affairs tells him not to be too quick, though, because the Ministry of Home Affairs has been sitting on his hands and not actually have the paperwork for this yet. Um, Oops. Yeah, I still, I guess they still have to go around to collect signatures or whatever. Door to door. Uh, 
Yeah. The chief uh, gets on his ass about being slow about this because Aramaki's boss is not the smartest of men, I think. They kind of Slug man? That later. No. They, yeah. they mention it a bit down the road, but like this dude is so incompetent and like slow about stuff and non-threatening that like that's part of why section nine has been allowed to get away with shit for so long is because like nobody registers their department as as a threat because of this dude (laughs) on top of that he is also the only person to survive the shift of political party of the government from the previous party to the current one he's the only person to have stuck around in the whole like overhaul of the government in the past after year. the yakushima thing went down yeah yeah um so the ministry of home affairs says the media has got to go crazy if they went in without the approval so they need the approval yeah, and that's even if they did succeed obviously if they fucked it all up then it would be even worse um yeah and this is referring back to all the shit that went down in episode 25 last season of you know the section 9 being charged as terrorists trying to do a coup d'etat and you know the whole manhunt regarding that and so, yeah, Kabuki back comes up, and the chief is kind of sidelined and really can't do anything until they get the paperwork ready. Uh, we cut back to the van. Uh, Ishikawa asks what's up, and Bato is saying that all the cabinet members are wimps and that they're not getting the, their signatures in line quick enough. And he kind of makes this, like, snide joke. is like, we should go and, you know, make heads roll over there. What and if the we major- did a terrorist to them? Yeah, the major's like, you know, we shouldn't really joke about that, seeing how we are kind of like a paralegal, paramilitary force that's already not having orders and was disbanded by force. Yeah. Currently speaking, since they're not officially parts of the government and they are armed and just rolled up in front of it, they are basically just a non-active terrorist group at the moment. Pretty much. You don't want to have those resume gaps, though, I think, is what they're they're concerned about their next job. True, you don't true. See. Yeah, you got to go work in, like, the, uh, the open source. Went <laughs> vanning know. with my bros for a year. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so Ishikawa talks politics, and this is kind of covering what we already said, how Keibuki took power when Yakushima got arrested episode 26 last season and it's a reactionary conservative government and they're going to phase out the refugee policies because that's what reactionary conservative people do um yeah and togas goes over the cheap labor thing um he also brings up the fact that like a lot of people don't like the government spending money on the refugees so this is kind of why subversive elements come out against the refugees Uh, they also bring up uh, how article 9 and taking in the refugees made japan look like a good guy internationally after the last war um, Article 9, again, being that Japan can't attack other people as a nation to solve state ish- issues. Thanks, United States. Yeah. Uh, USA! So USA! Just forcing you to take that in your constitution, you know. Um, Bacha brings up some of the fact that some of the refugees are also taxpayers themselves, but most of the taxpayers uh, think that the taxes supporting refugees may you know, take their jobs. It's the classic right wing, you know, yeah. the immigrants are taking our jobs bullshit. Um, he thinks that jumping the terrorism is a bit extreme, though. You know, Bato playing incre- centrist here. We could take up incremental change from the inside. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the major thing said is extreme that Section 9 was abandoned by force and um, yet called in the instant that the cops can't deal with anything. She's kind of like jaded by the whole deal. And she also thinks that the Bloods chief must be boiling right now, that he can't do anything like he normally can. Uh, they also bring up the fact that the Minister of Home Affairs was unscathed in the cabinet. We talked about that. Um, I was going to skip ahead a bit. 
Uh, the Major brings up they're going to be getting new recruits if the mission goes down well. And uh, Toga said doubts that there's anyone who could do what Section 9 does. And there's a funny reaction of like Paz and Voma just kind of looking at each other like, do you believe this guy? <laughs> Get a load of this guy, Cam. Fucking idiot right here. Because he used to be the new guy. He's just talking yep. about how no one could be the new guy again because he was the last new guy. <laughs> the new guy's always happy when there's new new guys because then mm. he's no longer. That's true. Um, we should have shot of Saito saying that uh, like I neutralized the image curtain they got, but they also got the blinds pulled. God damn it. And so he tells them to come back because there's no way he's going to be sniping. They tell him to stop mixing his metaphors. Yeah. Um, we cut to the SWAT team. So the police have like a SWAT team that are like doing recon right now and they're up in the vents again. I've never seen any dudes like climb events. That's stupid, but never go into the vent, no matter yeah. what. Uh, the ter- we see shots of like the terrorists just kind of walking around the hallways and looking around inside the like room where they have all the hostages. A terrorist gets a phone call and he answers the phone and oh no, it's the major. He's hacking. Be- he gets he's fright been- freaked by the major, like pH freaked. It's uh, funny because yeah, she like she like blows a whistle at the right frequency <laughs> and he gets hacked. This is a classic <laughs> cyberpunk and sci-fi thing of a basilisk hack. I think is the idea. It's just like a specific tone and stuff that can rewrite your rewrite things just via sound and image alone. What I took this as is like they, they explained earlier that the only way the police were talking to this terrorist were over a phone line that didn't even have video. So what I like said this at is like she must have like sent the audio equivalent of like a QR code that pointed to a script or something on a public website. Exactly. And the guy yeah. just ran it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's hacked instantly and it doesn't make any sense. But so we see. Also, somehow no one notices him just like violently like sweating and shivering as he does everything yeah he's still this around be while, while the major is like looking cl- through his eyes the and entire shit episode yeah expect the entire episode for there to be one particularly large man confusingly shaking and sweating while everyone else is like hey jim are you doing okay yeah i'm fine oh, all right man <laughs> just, <laughs> just got a cold don't worry really about it i'm all right I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just. I'm just a big guy. I sweat. It's fine. I'm just a bit nervous. You know, we're in a Especially when situation. I do terrorisms. Yeah. 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 I just. You know, I get nervous. I get sweaty. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, we see some shots of the hack terrorists looking around, and we see the hostages that are all on on the floor and a bunch of terrorists, and then we hear some gunshots outside. So they all go and look, and one of the terrorists happened to get in a firefight with one of the SWAT recon guys that was up in the vents. And, they're going um, the vents. Yeah. The. The terrorists uh, actually capture one of the SWAT guys because he's still alive. And the SWAT commander sees this. And uh, the major finds that there's nine terrorists in all, but he can't. F- she can't find the leader. She thinks it's strange that like no one's given orders to these dudes. Uh, we cut back to the assembly building. Um, some dude runs in and tells uh, Kayabu- Kaibuki. i got to say this name right. Kaibuki. Kaibuki. There's an Kayabuki. A that you're missing after the Y. Yeah. Um. She, uh, this guy tells her about the SWAT scout getting shot up, and she's shocked. So she's like, I didn't tell anyone to go in. And the guy's like, well, it wasn't planned. Sorry. It happens. Um, apparently, the terrorists have now made new demands. Um, they want her to make a public statement within the hour, or they're going to kill the SWAT guy. And then the hostages, like, one by one, you know, every 10 minutes or whatever, like hostage takers normally do. Uh, Keibuki says this has made things worse. And this is, uh, Aramaki sees this as an opportunity to press her for a decision. Because um, he knows that the press blackout won't hold. Uh, he says that if media, the media gets wind of Section 9 doing this operation, then it's kind of meaningless for them to go in in the first place. Uh, Ministry of Home Affairs guy says that the paperwork is not ready, and the chief says that, well, you know, order the operation, Section 9 will go in under the guise of being police, the paperwork can be done uh, post facto, and if Section 9 fails, you can put me on trial, because I have full faith in my team. Um, 
She's like, that's what I wanted. Yep, plausible deniability. Let's go. So uh, the chief contacts major tells them the SWAT's going in in 15 minutes and Section 9 has to be in and out of there before that happens. Uh, Bato's really angry about the fact that he had to hurry up and wait for so long. Uh, we get a montage of the major giving orders and them splitting up and the SWAT leader getting orders that they're supposed to storm in 15 minutes, but he doesn't know what's going on in there, so he doesn't want to do it. It's just kind of a clusterfuck of information. Uh, the terrorists inside are beating up the captured SWAT guy for info, um, and they also start moving the hostages around because they think the police are going to raid soon. Um, the major still has that hacked terrorist guy, and she's hacked his cyber brain, and like she thinks that there's a weird chain of command going on. Like She's been noticing that no one's actually giving commands, but everybody's working together. And she also knows that the hacked terrorist has like no barrier on his brain, but has also has like zero intel about the group. There's no plan or anything for them that he has, like, you know, in my, my crime. God, these terrorists are a polycule. <laughs> <laughs> they're like an, they, they're like a terrorist co-op, you know, everyone yeah. is their own, like each other's boss kind of idea or no one's a Found boss. Each other but they on give Facebook. each other orders. Yeah. <laughs> they take turns. Um, so yeah, section nine, we see uh, moving into the hotel or the business uh, business park building, whatever it is. Um, where I got lost in my notes. 48. Oh yeah. Uh, we see the major making plans. The elevator is going up with them in it. Um, the major makes the hack guy shoot a bunch of his friends while the elevator door opens so she can get in there. Uh, unfortunately, one of the terrorists have like a cyberized body. And so they're able to escape. Bachos decides to chase him. Uh, the SWAT leader starts hearing gunfire on the side. And is like, fuck it. We're going in. So, uh, more terrorists here, gunfire and grabs a hostage because this guy doesn't want to be around by himself. Uh, there's a shootout montage between Bacho and the cyborg. It ends with him tackling the cyborg guy through like a plaster wall right in front of a bunch of the SWAT guys. And he just kind of like gets up, looks at the guys for a second, like turns on his invisible optic camo and just walks away. Hey, bros. I just want to see you. I want to say I really like how you worded that like he took a hostage because he didn't want to be alone, not as like a meat shield or like a bargaining tool, but like he was just lonely. Dude, these are tough times. He was just afraid. <laughs> He's like, look, I just need a friend right now. It's You're not really a situation. hostage. I'm just, I'm just freaking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, the last terrorist with the hostage, the one who he's a buddy buddy and up to now since we're talking about it. Uh, he's got the hostage at knife point um, and he's trying to make his way through the office park, but he gets cornered by like a dozen SWAT team dudes and they all have their guns pointed at him telling him, you know, let the person go and all that. Togusa and Saito are in the same room like in optic camo, but they can't do anything because all these SWAT people are right in front of them. Um, just then we see the major jumping out of a helicopter because she loves to do that. So the terrorist starts giving a speech. Uh, they're known as the Individual Eleven. Uh, he says that even if they fail today, other eagles would carry out their will, and death means nothing to them. The Major then over voice comm says, You don't say. Go ahead and die then. And uh, she shoots him through the window as she falls. And of course, the SWAT run over to the window. And this is where we get Milhouse saying, Say the lie, Major. And she goes <laughs> invisible while falling. And Yo, this is shot for shot, like yeah. frame straight by up. frame remake of the movie shot. Yeah, straight up down to having just shot the dude in the head and his head explodes viscerally. Like, that's yep. also part of it. That entire yep. sequence is just a big reference to the movie. It's good that we just yeah. watched the movie last week because, <laughs> oh, yeah. The major, you know, the major may have like other pastimes <laughs> and she may have other hobbies, but her passion is falling out of buildings and turning invisible. Loves <laughs> jumping we'll out twice in, in this set. She fucking it. loves doing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, we see one of the major's other passions in uh, episode three. We'll get to that. 
Uh, at least at least from the manga perspective, anyway. But oh boy, so we, we cut to back to Kayabuki uh, telling the chief that the budget's been approved. Great job! You can build Section Nine officially, and we'll have the paperwork that says you could could have done all that stuff in the past that wasn't official yet. Um, in the car, the major jabs the chief for the fact that he had no sarcastic comments during her like talking with him, and she brings up the fact like, "Did you do that because she's a woman?" Uh, the chief says that he has no issues with Kebuki. Um, the major warns that like she could be a troublesome boss, though. Like she seems like the type that would keep us on a short leash, which is not what they like. And um, she also see, says that it seemed like she wanted to pull out a resolution to this conflict without taking responsibility, which is why she waited until the chief just like put up his gambit, saying, "I'll do it or go on trial." Yep. Uh, the chief mentions that she doesn't look like the typical. Uh, figurehead for the party that most prime ministers are and that she actually may have some spine to her um anyway don't look at gift horse in the mouse it's time to rebuild section nine we have a budget now let's go spend it on titty bar drinks or whatever we are street legal again baby <laughs> uh so the last scene of the episode is we cut to section nine's hq all the groups sitting around they're happy about the budget getting passed the major compliments togusa kind of weirdly out of nowhere i don't know why you did good kid yeah, so she's like, hold your head high for the new recruits. And uh, Bato is completely ready to haze new recruits. He's so psyched <laughs> about this. Uh, the chief's like, oh, yeah, they're here now. Let's, uh, let's make yes, them say hi. Yes, you just so... got back today. Them wild eyed <laughs> boys that have been away. Haven't changed. I'm about to say. But, man, I still think them cats yeah. are crazy. Yeah, babies so... are back in town. Babies are back in town. <laughs> My babies. Yeah, they... <laughs> They're here again. So this seems fantastic. Uh, the Tachikoma, a Tachikoma walks in, and Bato comes up the stairs, and he looks surprised and like delighted to see it. And then the Tachikoma introduces itself in a deadpan robot voice, and there's a reaction shot of Bato just like being oh. crushed emotionally. No. And then the Tachikoma yeah, starts being laughing like, at him. I am the Tachikoma, and yeah, Bato just, oh man, they took out their fun bits, and then immediately <laughs> it it just starts laughing, and it's just like, got you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's not just the one, the majors then like, yeah, all of the ones that were taken apart in the lab, we brought them all back. And they all come in, and it's just a delight. My babies are back. I love them. And they got feet now. They got feet. They, they got feet. Importantly, <laughs> though, it's the way that's actually imp- uh, mentioned. The Tachikomas are actual employees of Section 9 now. They're part yes, of the team they directly. Not- They're not property. Yeah, they're not autonomous robots that are being used by them. They are actually, like, new members for real Ds. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, this begs the question, what did the Tachikoma spend their first paychecks on? Natural Ooh. oil. Video games. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, like, a, a doping thing. Natural oil. They're getting turned. <laughs> yeah, they're getting turned for sure. <laughs> do they do, like, oil checks? Like, they do drug tests on employees? Because, like, I feel that that's probably a no-go for them. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the natural oil is okay now that they're recognized as sapient human or sapient mm, beings possibly yeah now that we're cool with them being funny little guys <laughs> it's fine if they have their funny little guy juice <laughs> you know the guy juice i know that one touch is gonna go get that dreamcast-esque uh, brain box from before the one that they had to sell yeah oh god so that's episode one the gang's back and it- technically legal it's Yay. got a fair amount of exposition, but they, they work it into between sections of action that I think make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. As an yeah, opening, it is, yeah. It, it is definitely exposition heavy, but, you know, they kind of had to do it to show what's going on. But but yep. this episode isn't, so... I mean, it is exposition heavy, but... <laughs> episode two is, is, like, one of those, like, 
feel pieces that establishes a lot about the feel of the series, like, without also really telling you all that much about the big, the bigger plot. Yeah, it's centered around this, like, one guy's perspective on the city for, like, the entire episode. And we will never see him again. So, uh, as I've labeled this, Whomst Amongst Us has not fantasized about killing their boss. Episode two. (laughs) (laughs) So we open on a location that looks like the Geisha Park from season one, episode one. Um, A man with, like, black hair and military fatigues walks over to it, cocking a gun uh, as he goes... He kills a bunch of dudes super spy style uh, while we cut further on the interior where this man called a chairman and a politician are doing a corruption. Um, They talk about Japan's involvement with the Second Vietnam War and a war between and also the war between Europe and Asia as they drink. And it's basically like the politicians like, isn't what we're doing not good? And he's like, no, it's great and awesome. Um, at this point, Fatigue's dude busts in, shoots the politician in the head as the chairman looks on in horror and begs Gino not to kill him. But we get a cutaway and it turns out that this is all in Gino's head as he was piloting a helicopter for this chairman. Uh, Um, His name is pronounced Gino for what it's worth. Gino, yes. I like Gino though. It really messes me up because there's a game I play a lot with a character named Gino, and I always refer to him as Yino as a joke. And now, unfortunately, we've split the uprights with this (laughs) thing, and it's it really fucked with me. (laughs) So he's the helicopter pilot for this man, and very much not shooting him in the head at the moment. Though he wishes he would. He there that may be a running theme of the episode. Yes. (laughs) Uh, we get the title card and cut into the to a like brick room where a bunch of the helicopter pilots are collecting their paychecks and like grabbing snacks and food. They're all kind of like buddy buddy with each other and clearly working at the same place. Uh, Gino gets invited to dinner by a friendly guy, but he turns him down. It's worth um, noting, I think, on our end that Gino is voiced by Liam O'Brien, voicing doing the most I'm a pathetic loser voice he can. Yes. It's great. The the double Adachi special, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and this is going to be important because from this point onward, he is basically narrating the entirety of this episode. Yeah, the entire episode shot from his perspective. Yes, and it is a stream of who's consciousness. To, yeah, who's ready to set a new world record for fucking most unreliable narrator? Because <laughs> that's... <laughs> This whole episode is, what if the the narrator was beyond unreliable? What yeah. if he found super unreliable, too? So, yeah. he's sitting at a distance from everyone else, uh, filling out a donation to a refugee charity fund, um, wondering why all the other guys still eat food when their bodies are cybernetic and, like, they don't need to eat anymore. He kind of he looks over at some other dudes chewing on, like, a protein bar and just goes, like, nah. Um, he then fills us in uh, that they are all veterans of World War Four, a.k.a. the Second Vietnam War, and gives us some background. Poor Vietnam can't catch a break. Basically, yes. Um, oh, so didn't they say, like, the fifth non-nuclear war or something? It, it's a uh, non-nuclear World War Four is what they were talking right. about. It's the yeah. second. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. It's implied that World War Three was the nuclear one. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so he basically says that World War IV was basically run just so that some military tech companies could show off all their cool cyber bits and that all these guys, including Gino, were basically just guinea pigs for all of these companies' products that were bashing up against each other like toy soldiers. I don't know. It seems unrealistic that a military contractor would profit grossly over a 20-year war or anything. No. Yeah, wild. It's impossible to really think of a situation where that would happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then gets really derisive USA. over these guys' happiness. USA! No. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, saying that it's basically just false, a false happiness created by their cyber brain with implanted memories. And we get to talk about the new, from in the news about bombings in the refugee district uh, from terrorists who were demanding the deportation of Asian refugees. We then get a long screed as he goes into his house uh, about how corrupt the mass media is. He works out in his room and, like, polishes a whole bunch of guns while he talks about how Katakura, who is the chairman of three media networks, is a hypocritical piece of shit who's not willing to tell the truth that he knows. There's so and many, this, this is, is helicopter like a boss. very, like, this is like a taxi driver sequence. That's the film, right? Yes. 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 Where he, like, 100%. he's working out in his apartment and, like, getting more and more angry and shit. Yeah. This yeah. entire episode is a full plot reference to Taxi Driver. The entire episode, yeah. all the way through. He's just yeah. doing a Taxi Driver. There's so many good... Except he's a helicopter yeah. driver. It, there are so many good <laughs> yeah. touches in his apartment because it's all mm. macho, you know, self-fulfilling bullshit. He's got yep. only the TV his weights and his guns basically his door has like five million locks on it also one of those guns is very clearly an off-brand desert eagle so of course he has a desert eagle the big dick monster gun yeah there's also shots of him like during the war with his like buddies the guys who he was talking to he does have a few medals for discharge and everything too yeah our male living spaces basically yes 100 (laughs) percent Um, so while he's giving this speech in his home, we hear about another bombing at a government office, and this time it's by terrorists who were demanding changes to the refugee policy. Um, and he basically gets super derisive about this, saying that it's sloppy and that this won't change anything. Instead, he's going to kill Katakura, and that's really going to make a change, because he's the bombings. one who's going to do it. That should never make sense. Now, assassinations. <laughs> now we're talking. talking. That's the good shit right there. <laughs> Propaganda of the deed, baby. Um, he makes cool gun poses in front of the mirror at this point, and you, you're probably getting a very good image of exactly the kind of guy he is. Yeah, Are you talking talking to me? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that scene from Taxi Driver. Exactly. This dude yeah. is 100% cyber bickle. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, he heads into a seedy part of town while he's ranting about the truth. And he comes to like a fancy club that's things called Nige. Um, and weirdly enough, he sees the Section 9 folks getting out of car at a fancy club, including a very dolled up version of the Major who has like a white fur coat and a bob. She's but got it's the like... fur. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's like very clearly her, but also it's a bit ambiguous because she looks very different from how she usually does. Yeah, her hair is like almost, it looks almost like a Lego hair piece in a way. Like it's done up weird. But yeah, she's supposed to be look like a high-end escort. Um, And he goes on this rant about how she's the only pure and true thing left in this world and it gets really weirdly psychosexual and incoherent. He can tell her whole body is like one piece and all this stuff and it like sounds like he's halfway between 
being convinced she is entirely not a robot and also is entirely robot and it like yeah it gets weirdly incoherent too it's very clear that he's trying to jam his boner in his political philosophy basically (laughs) Uh, the character that this is a direct reference to as well in taxi driver was 12 because it's a yeah that that is a cds movie yeah 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 um so he He's not a good person. No. <laughs> he he's quite explicitly not a good person. <laughs> um so we cut over to this dude's house which looks sort of like the Flatiron building in New York. Um it's not but uh he sees this major bot leaving Katakura's house but talks about how you could never possess her with money. Um we then get another fantasy segment about like at the at the geisha club about killing his boss but this time he busts in and the major bot is there um but she very clearly does not have like the right facial expressions in this that was something i really noticed like when i was first watching it um she looks really shocked when he busts in on her with the gun but as he's looking katakura busts in uh, behind him shoots him in the shoulder and it's like oh no but it's totally fine because then he turns around and shoots him in the gun and shoots Katakura with his gun and he's a hero. And he thinks about Major Bot crying there as he's laying dying. And it's it's a really weird fantasy that he's got yeah, he going went on from here. his fantasy of just killing his boss to being also killed by his boss but impressing a woman and dying. As it's, he does it, yes. Yeah. Get more shots of him doing pull-ups, talk about how only he knows the truth, and tomorrow, which is Christmas Day, we've had several zoom-ins on this uh, calendar now, Mm -hmm. and he'll show everyone the truth. And this time when we zoom in on the calendar, you also see he's got a Che poster just to the right of it. (laughs) Yes, oh yeah, there's a huge Che Guevara poster. Yeah. Mm <laughs> um we then cut over to his boss saying uh you can't take the day off with no notice because like you know being the chairman's helicopter pilot is a really great opportunity and i gave it to you because i know you're such a good guy and we're buds you were a war you're a great hero, combat Gino. pilot but like you gotta realize that this job market's pretty slim for wounded combat cyborgs um Gino's like kind of like gets real huffy at this point is like you didn't used to be like this you wouldn't avert your eyes from the truth you would have killed Katakura if you were still a man of courage it's what's what I have to do but that was all in his head too and his boss is basically like hey something you want to say you were just mumbling to yourself yeah you're just kind of dazing off and mumbling you got anything to say and this guy's really good at creating dudes to get mad at at his mind and then losing those arguments yes yeah (laughs) <laughs> dude has absolutely lost several straw man arguments in his own head so far um we then hard cut to the helicopter with uh, katakura again where gino apologizes about taking yesterday off so like he basically chickened out and just didn't come into work the day that he said he was totally gonna kill this guy oh no here's um, the thing i i took this as a completely different thing Mm-hmm. His actual plan for getting back at him fully, 100%, was just to take the day off on Christmas. That's it. Because he, yeah. he doesn't have the guts I to ever actually that. do it, you know? And, that's and then it totally wouldn't work. So, and that's why immediately after this, he's so yep. incredibly mad that uh, Tadakura did not... Yeah. Uh, that Katakura did not even notice. He, he literally he is just yeah, like, oh, a, you weren't? He, uh, he anyway, then he goes yeah, back to like his hall. 
He's so furious. Yeah, he's like, like ripping his thigh and like pulling on it and like uh, twisting it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he basically like in the room afterwards fantasizes about crashing the helicopter and killing Katakura for like, how dare he not notice the incredible slight that I did to him here. Mm-hmm. Um, we then cut to a firing range where he immediately talks about laying down his life for the foolish masses. Now he would totally do it, but <laughs> they wouldn't even understand. And anyway, the mass media would cover it up and it's, he needs to tell someone who could spread his story uh, before he Time did something like Reddit. that. That's definitely the reason. Um, we cut back to the lunchroom where he finally offers to go drinking with the guys and especially like the friendly guy who invited him out earlier. But the guy's like, oh man, you know, I would, I would love to finally get to know you, but wouldn't you know it? I got something to do tonight. Um, got a thing. I got some, I got something to take care of. Yeah. Um, so it turns out he's gotten turned down as soon as he, uh, actually tried to open up. Um, so he first tries to offer to this guy getting in on his fantasies. And when that doesn't work out, uh, he then goes and tries to, well, you can take out from there. (laughs) So, uh, pretty drunk at this point, he busts into Katakura's house and demands to buy major bot saying like, you know, I want to take her. However much is this enough? And he has like a huge wad of cash, huge wad of cash to Bato. Who is basically like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? But this, she's she's not for sale, and this kind of money couldn't buy her even if she was. Get the fuck out of here. Um, Take this chicken feed and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> throws the lot of cash back at him. Um, he also says that it's like you're part. Of, you're, you think you're alone, but you're actually part of a big club that lost something precious in that war, which is a little bit weird given that this is. This entire episode uh, has been his internal ta- monologue. He, pa- he, he, like, he also taps his dick. Yeah, he taps Bato his dick when very he does clearly this. Yeah. Tap, yeah, he's like, yeah, we all lost something in our genital triangle region. Could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> could could lead into the next scene in any way possible. So we cut to Gino at a brothel who, with a lady who looks just a little bit like the Major. Um... She says that his time is up after just a bit of touching, but it's not like he could do anything anyway, since he's prosthetics from the waist down. Yeah, there's a shot of like his legs and they're all like cyberized. And Cybernetic stuff, so. and him and tidy whities uh, I thought it was like pointing out that he doesn't have a boner. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he doesn't have, 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 have a boner. Yeah. <laughs> there's no boner there. No cyber dick. Um, he gets beaten up, thrown out, uh, by the pimp who takes his money and there's this really pathetic scene of him begging for it in an alleyway saying his wife and kids who he doesn't have will starve, but he doesn't get that lot of cash back. Uh, hard cut to the elevator, to the helicopter job, uh, the, the office basically. He calls on a payphone to try to get his donation back from the refugee aid fund but the robocaller that he's dealing with on the other end is basically like, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that sentence. And he's, he starts getting more and more frustrated. And it starts going through the phrase of like, well, if you want to start a donation, then you need to fill out the proper forms. Let me walk through that. And this is anybody trying to cancel a gym membership. 
Mm-hmm. It is probably it's the most the relatable way. part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. He gets, yeah. He's being on hold with Comcast for four hours. Yeah. He gets <laughs> yeah, so yeah, frustrated yeah. that he just tosses the phone down and just leaves it going and just goes yep. back to the office. Yep. Walks in on some some of the other guys there who are eating a sandwich, and we get some really close-up shots of them biting down on it, drawn as disgustingly as you possibly can. It's like egg salad sandwich, too, or like yes, the robot the most, equivalent this, of. The most, like, the, the least aesthetically appealing sandwich in existence. Um, and the intensity of this basically gives him a nervous breakdown where he just starts mumbling, why do they still eat? Why do they still eat? As he like rushes to the bathroom and punches himself in the stomach so he can start vomiting in the stall. Um, and it's it's really visceral. This guy is clearly having a breakdown. Yeah, he's losing it. While he's there, he also overhears his coworkers talking about the friendly guy who got picked up by public security. And they're like, do you think Gino knew that he was actually Asian, as in non-Japanese Asian? Um, And it turns out that he was the bomber that was on the TV report earlier. You get shots of him basically celebrating as he gets arrested for for the whole thing. And it's it's definitely his buddy. Yeah, I did a terrorism did that terrorism, baby. Um, and Gino is just completely flabbergasted. It's like, what? Yeah. It couldn't be this that fucking guy. dude. Yeah. Did this guy yeah, actually th- did it? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, getting very upset at himself for having no follow through as this guy is doing it and making it look easy, making it look good, frankly. Yeah. Like, really having a great time. It literally afterwards. getting just the thing like, that he has been craving this entire let's episode. Let's fucking go, gamers, yeah. as I get <laughs> my hands thrown behind my back. Yeah, this guy, like, on TV, he's pumping like he won, like, the Stanley Cup or something. Like, yes. he's, like, totally thrilled. Yeah. And he's been so know. friendly and, like, nice to him as, like, the, basically the only person the entire time. Um, so we hard cut to the helicopter where Gino gets told that he needs to take someone home and it's the major bot where, so we, we get this really awkward scene where she's sitting front seat in the helicopter next to him and he is like basically freaking out sitting silently. Um, at this point, it's going to get kind of hard to tell what's real quote unquote and what isn't because the major kind of like brain hacks him while he's also having one of his fantasies. So uh, here we go. He asks what's wrong, um, and we get this sequence where, like, he can kind of see a reflection of her crying, like, in the fantasy that you did. Um, She asks, or he asks, like, she asks him to take her far, far away, and he's like, we should go to another country, get away from all this, but first, there's something that I have to do. And he kind of, like, looks down, and there's, like, a bloody Gibbs in his uh, chest, like he just got shot. Like he was just shot. She like kind of leans over towards him, um, touches his face, and it leaves like a big red blood stain on top of it. Um, she's basically like, uh, he's basically saying like, I need to set the truth free. And she asks if he'll take her with him at this point. But she basically is like, but you've done enough fighting and it's over now. You've won. And we kind of cut away from his whole scene here and get a static call from the major between her and Bato basically saying like, nah, this dude isn't connected to the individual 11. Like he's, he fantasizes about killing this, but he's never going to actually go through with it. It's 
This the is all in his head. didn't make a whole lot of sense. It's fine. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the show. It's very kind of what is reality, what's fantasy while it's going on. It, it's really. Uh, I like surreal. to think I was pretty true to form in that de- in that yeah, explanation it, I just gave. It's very hard to describe because it's again very surreal. This guy is fantasizing. He's also like delusional, and the major's also hacking him. So yeah. Um, and Ishikawa has basically figured out at this point that he's not connected to the individual eleven. He's basically just a wacko fantasizes about killing his boss. We, we get the final quote. He's a member of the proletariat that's pathetically out of touch with reality as the helicopter flies away into the distance. I don't think he's a psychopath for wanting to kill his boss. I think that's a pretty natural feeling for most people. Fair. No, I think that Gino is <laughs> mostly, he, he's probably just paranoid and has probable PSD, PTSD, honestly. Yes. I mean, uh, it's, it's a very accurate yeah. picture of like what happened to these people after oh. the war. Like, he talks also, about his co-workers being the ones who were disposable, but like, you know, we're actually in his head and we yeah. can see what it did to him. I don't I don't know if we uh, mentioned it or accidentally skipped over it or something, but there also was like uh, a note when they were talking about his back, his like backstory yeah, and stuff he, and his history. He didn't actually uh, lose his he legs. He didn't lose his bottom half from combat and stuff. Yeah, like his waist down amputation wasn't due to combat. It wasn't due to like his time in the military. It was just... He got really bad STDs and never took care of them he to got the point that he mono. lost his legs. Yeah, so like he also might be like syphilitic a little bit, which has other implications to what it does to the human yeah, brain, which is yep. bad. Yeah. <laughs> so just a really there, sad there, there's a lot. Yeah, it just a yeah. Th- this is one of those episodes where it's like a character study on someone who just got terribly blown up by the system and hasn't really yeah been able to recover or anything and also like i don't, I don't know gino's like an interesting character um i hate him yeah you're right I, yeah yeah i fucking hate this guy but like man yeah they they do a pretty good job of it it's the only thing for me that was kind of pulling me out of it was i was like Throughout the entire thing, I was like, this is a little too much taxi driver on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing uh, a taxi is, driver. This is my favorite episode in the series, partially because about how incredibly bold faced, like, yeah, we just kind of stole a lot of taxi driver and put it into this. Just felt like it. Go for it. And it, it <laughs> sure, it, it is extremely like, yeah, they, they did just kind of take it and use it for it. But I think they did it well enough. You know, it's it's something oh, to they say. They do a great for, job with it. Yeah. It's a yeah, loving like it. reference to it rather than just stealing the ideas behind it. Yeah. The way they animate the unreliable narration, I think, is what really made it interesting to me. Yeah. Like, the way they just frame up those shots and then, yeah, like, the muddling of realities towards the end of the episode where, a good lo- what if in Taxi Driver also the character's brain was being hacked yeah. by a third party? <laughs> On first watch, it is very difficult to tell what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. One of the things I also liked about this episode is it does a lot of world building without expositing too heavily. Like you see the like fallout of the World War Three and World War Four for these guys. You see what it's like to be a refugee in this area. Yep. You see that the people discriminate against full combat cyborgs, which is all going to be mm-hmm. relevant coming up. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of uh, like veterans did not receive even close to as much support after their deployment as they should have, which has a yeah also you know, like. 
a lot. The helicopter agency is run by veterans as well. Like they're all war cyborgs and war buddies. Like it's very explicitly they're the ones who are helping each other in this kind of situation. Yes, no one is else. Yeah. And that's another thing with the whole like sending money away to that refugee fund. Like they're willing to receive money, but the instant like they try to help people back, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, speaking of STDs... Oh boy, this episode's <laughs> gross, but like, not in a yeah. not in a way that's like, uh, you know, it, it's gross in an acceptable way, I think, in that it's shown that this is all bad. There's, yeah. There's a lot of questions this episode can bring up, especially in terms of like sexuality, in terms of like, you know, cyberization and bodies and virtual reality and stuff. But the episode really doesn't touch that, for better or worse. It does have a very pervy man, though. Oh, oh yeah. boy, he's the fucking worst. Good God. If you yeah, thought Gino was Pervy bad. man. <laughs> yeah. Gino was like, yeah, a lot of brain problems, weird shit going on. This other guy is fully in control and grasps his reality. Yeah, he's he decides he wants to... Yep. He wants to fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy sucks. It's awesome. <laughs> this guy kind of looks like a Rubenstein or whatever his name was from Galactic Heroes. Oh, Rubinsky? Yeah. Rubinsky, I'll, yeah. 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 Also, if if you uh, liked when they did Taxi Driver, you're gonna shit when they do Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. So uh, we open on uh, the major where I no. no. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not the major. We open on the cats. The the what was it? The money eye. Cash eye. Terrible cash, name. Cash eye. Cash eye. Yeah, the cash eye. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> she's My wearing a gray catsuit. Yeah, it tries to pretend it's not her. I mean, I think it's very obvious, but uh, she's wearing like a gray catsuit and like these this big VR style goggle on and her face. And an Oculus Rift. Yeah. Uh, she's jumping across the rooftops, very parkour. Uh, eventually, she jumps over one that has Tadokoro and big neon lights. Um, and she breaks into that building and then she drops in and he's above the floor, very Mission Impossible style. Um, she scans the floor for like, I guess, like pressure plates. Pressure plates. And he, he built a disco floor with his pressure plates. Sure. It should be said. So yeah, she gets through the that. Pressure plates are cycling, so she has to jump them hopscotch. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she like jumps over them, breaks into a room. Inside, she just like walks over to the table, like opens up the chest of her suit because, of course, titties, and uh, leaves a little. Black card, just the word cash eye on it. Like, I think it's cash and an eye. And an image of an eye, yes. Yeah. It's just cash eye. And then there's just like some pennies on the desk. So she picks one, <laughs> picks one up and flings it at the camera to smash it. And then jumps out of the window out of the building because that's her favorite thing in the world to do. She loves jumping out of buildings and turning invisible. That's one of her pastimes. Yes. L- loves it. Just adores it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut. We're now back in the same room, but it's the next day. Daylight out. There are some workers replacing this busted camera. And it's the chief and the major talking to Chairman uh, Tadokoro, who's the owner of the building and the company. Major is also still as a statue for, like, the entirety of this scene. Like, you can feel the discomfort coming off of this woman who is basically been a robot for the last 28 episodes so he's like thank you for coming and Aramaki's like I didn't have a choice you dick <laughs> my boss told me to come here I don't want to be here <laughs> he has big not liking this guy energy oh which, yeah uh, considering what's about to come up is is accurate um so the guy's like ah yeah prime minister whatever 
And she's like, okay, what do you want, buddy? And he's like, I've been threatened by this, uh, some hacker dude named Kasha, and he sent Kasha. me a calling card. And <laughs> I'm assuming that's, you know, a guy, because, yeah. And I'm um, like, I know, I, I, I've consolidated all my money and I've put it all in the vault in this building, you know. And I'm like, he's like, well, that sounds like a pretty smart idea. And he's like, yeah, I am smart. I'm great, actually. <laughs> he's such a dick. <laughs> This guy is so full of himself. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, and then he's like, but then this guy remote piloted a female model android. Broken in this room. She destroyed the security camera and then jumped out of our 50th story window. Cut to plate glass that is like taped over. It's time like the major is also like looking at the, the repaired window and the camera going up. So you get some shots of them. But not moving any other part of herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is so incredible that this dude does not even remotely present the possibility that cash yeah. is not a dude yeah you know oh instant he's every such a time, piece of shit like, the lady who broke into my office that was definitely a robot this is a dude only a dude could do that only a dude he, he also very much has a thing about lady robots which we'll get yeah. into um so they talk about and they both kind of agree that clearly the hacker was intending to send the message that you know he could break in at any time and Sarmark is like, well, call the police then, idiot. We're a terrorist squad. We don't we don't do this shit. We're not your private police force. And Tadakura is like, actually, we are. And he's like, well, I'm having a fancy, not illegal secret party. Totally not illegal. <laughs> this, <laughs> really the not the illegal. way that he talks about this is truly incredible because if you if you haven't seen this before, you don't know what he's talking about yet, but you know that whatever it is, it is sketch as Fuck. Yeah, he's like... Like, I was immediately assuming, like, it was going to be, like, some kind of eyes wide shut, like, masquerade fuck festival or something. And it and is. Hey, you know what? But... Like, 80% of the way there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, secret party, all these big players coming in. And, uh, you know, we'll be deciding national policies and, you know, due to the nature, we can't exactly change the venue or the time. So, uh, I'm throwing my weight around... You're, you're going to work for security for me. You know, I'm, I'm big enough. You're going to have to do it. So I'm just trying to think of like the monetary policy that they're making over like an orgy. Like... <laughs> More money for sex, I mm-hmm. guess. Tom, can you get off the papers? I'm trying to see how his Q2 earnings are. <laughs> so the chief kind of agrees that he doesn't really have a choice. And then Tanakuro goes full creep. To the major, being like, I can smell her white blood from here. That's your android yeah, this, over there. This is some, like, super... The way that old dudes who were into ladies of other races would yep. still be fucking super racist. Like, it is one-to-one that. <laughs> Except with Cyborg. And God, it... Ooh, you want to hear something that makes my skin crawl is saying I can smell your blank blood from here. Oh man! Uh, I mean, the next thing's worse because the chief's like, uh, she's actually a person with full body prosthetics, and he's like, oh well, full body prosthetics fan the flames of my libido for inorganic bodies as much as androids. It's like. Right in oh, front of her. He straight up says that oh. to the police. Yeah, oh. Green had to type that. Oh. And right in front of her. She's right there. She's right there, yeah. I know. And she's just standing there. What can I say? Like, I love the oh. females. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, he is not so in fucking of this, gross. 
Yeah, not in the sense of this pervert, but I'm wondering if she was perfectly still that entire scenes to play up the fact that she could have been maybe an android. Cause oh, yeah. yeah. Well, sure. she, she's on, doing this, this on purpose for sure, yeah. but it is also just like, ugh. Well, she has a line later. And she doesn't I, like it. There's a line later that I think also comes into play with it, but, yeah. uh, ugh. So then uh, the major and chief are in the car driving away, and the major's like, prime minister must hate that guy. And Aramaki's like, oh, well, I don't know about that, but she's, you know, she has to play with him because, like, he's, you know, she needs to force through some deadlock reforms. Gotta sweep away the ghost of the last administration, so she's kind of got to play nice with deal, this awful deal guy. With this guy. Awful, horrible guy, and the major's super pissed that she's giving up her vacation for this sexual harassment shit. It's and Aramaki's like, well, I'm sorry, but uh, it's only going to get worse. Please don't lose your temper. Please don't kill this guy. Please do not shoot this guy in the head. It's worth noting that I think this is literally the first time in the entire series that the Major has complained about a job. She yes. does yes. not want to do this. Also, like the first time Aramaki has preemptively been like, I know you want to kill this dude. <laughs> yeah, he <should> <laughs> apologize. He just says, I'm sorry, yeah. but you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's now the next night. Uh, the Section 9 crew are watching the entrance, this fancy shindig, and uh, Borman Paz are in suits at the entrance, and Tokus Bato are currently in a van with like, a couple of AI Section ladies. Section 9 van. Yeah, Section 9 van. I love that they, uh, sorry, as an aside, I love that they had the Section 9, like the Section 9 like AI ladies are kind of in a lot of the backgrounds of these vans just standing yeah. around, but these ones have on like fancy dresses, like they yes. dress them up for this as escorts. <laughs> well, they, they, they bring them in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so they're watching and they spot some like big name guys and they point out uh, the foreign affairs minister or the former one not quite sure he was the guy was the from guy. episode one the yeah. very first yeah, one of the, the show swapping yeah like, I, I think i'm not quite sure like like the sub said former the dub just said foreign affairs minister but i assume former because everyone got fired i'm sure he'll be back yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only the only survivor was meltman yeah. Yeah. somehow <laughs> yeah i've as an aside, I spent a long time looking for the Ministry of Home Affairs' name. I don't think he's actually named. No, no I don't not. think so either. Frogman. Uh, <laughs> Meltman is not named at any point, I'm pretty sure. And that's why I just call him Meltman. That's, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, so then a car with the Chief and the Major uh, pulls up and they get out. The Chief comes out in a suit and the Major, it's, it's not really a skimpy white dress, but it's kind of a sheer white dress. You know, it's... Single <laughs> piece. Barely on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they immediately get surrounded by gross dudes, and Batter notes that the major got fell up by one of them. Uh, so that's good. Great. Great. I guess it should be a clear, uh, in the previous scene when we saw all the VIPs coming up in their cars and getting out, they were all getting out with like weird sex dolls. Yes, they're all um, getting out with escorts. And, and they're basically yeah, I, like, this, kind, this is a party for the cream of society to show off the sex bots they hide from their wives. Yeah. Yeah, the cream Which, of society. That's great. the way you can put it. I mean, <laughs> look. I don't want to have anything to do with that cream of society. Please leave, let me no, leave. God, no. They're going to create some cream on society. Hey. So uh, Ishikawa is like, okay. Sorry, that was, was that too much? <laughs> Thinking about the old men yes. creaming? Was that, was I, that a bridge too far? <laughs> Please stop talking about it, All right, it, just Ty. wanted to get a temperature Ty. check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just wanted to make sure that we were moving, <laughs> we're moving on now. I mean, we kind of do see uh-huh. Tokora's O-Face later, no, so. No, no, no. No, we don't. Shut up. Moving on. 
Ishikawa like mentions like they like, calls them all. It's like, well, we should all get ready. Uh, the major's gonna work on getting uh, the passport from the chairman. Uh, Blaster and Tokus are like gonna mingle, and Ishikawa then calls up the babies. Like, you guys ready? And one is up on like the it's, it's like an antenna on the roof. And she's like, yeah. And then there are like two more, like just that some construction on the road on the way to the party. And they're just like, yeah, we're ready. Uh, and he's it like, should, it should say that the uh, Tachikoma seemed to be a bit more, uh, I don't know, obey, like cooperative in obeying orders. Yes. Uh, yes. Than they were at the end of season one. Everyone's on the same page now yeah. re- regarding like, yeah, you get to be free thinkers and goofballs, and you're just people. We're treating you like people now. Majors are boss, and we'll listen to orders, because that's how we get paid in oil. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, so they're waiting for the major signal. Um, the major and Aramaki are in a, now in the main room of the party, uh, meeting up with the chairman again, and there are yeah, all the people hanging out with their fembots. There's some silhouettes behind some curtains. <laughs> There are also a bunch of them just posed on a podium and like mm. you were running the gamut of rich white guy fetishes where it's like there's some variation, but there's also a level of vanilliness to all this. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, that was a great decision, which I presume is the decision to make the major look like a sex bot. Uh, that was excellent. The perfect camouflage. Um, Aramaki's like, I also have other men stationed, but they, well, they won't disrupt your party, but, uh, uh, Tanakoro is like, no, 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 whatever it takes to catch this thief, you know, I, I don't want this guy stealing all my money. I don't want all my gold to be robbed while I'm having a sex bot party. Uh, it's not even gold, he said it was cash. Yes. Like, he cash, went out yeah. to the bank and got it all in, like, one dollar bills and threw it in his basement. Yes. <laughs> well, he needs the money for his robot strippers. Obviously. That's, That's true, true. It's yeah. safe, it's safe in my basement. <laughs> Read a book. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> if it's all in one place, how could they? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Of course, then this gross motherfucker asks the major if she wants the grand tour. And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I hate this guy. It, it's uh, funny because the major is like accepting in like a cheerful way here. But like underneath when we hear her thoughts, she absolutely hates every single section. Oh, God. Yes. She's so pissed. Uh, the chief then talks to Ishikawa, and Ishikawa tells him there's kind of some there's problems because all the new security has meant that like he can't really break into this door because all the blueprints are off and they've been wiped from the server. This guy has done a good job of making his vault pretty secure, and even though the major is going to get the chairman's uh, retinal and cyber brain scans, not going to matter if we can't get the door open. Um, to talk about a bit, and Ishikawa's like, okay, I'm gonna work on another way for us to get in. Uh, we're now with the chairman of the major, and they've moved into our room, uh, and he's being uh, a gross creep, and they're surrounded by, uh, like, just sex bots posed in, like, big glass pods. And at this point, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Detroit Become Human just ripped off the seam. Like, I, I felt that it was more like go-go dancers in their cages, kind of. It was, visually. yeah, it was like that. Also, there was just some energy of, like, making them but look the like, like products on display. Yeah, they so that they, were... they were clearly on display because he calls them hot couture, and they're clearly on display for him to pick which one he wants to bang, which, again, when we played 
Detroit Become Human, there's a scene where they go to a sex club and all the women androids are in big glass tubes for David Cage to absolutely David Cage watched, watched this one scene. anime and was like, we're going to do that. I'd rip this I, off, for sure. I, I just fully have no predilections whatsoever to not believing that David Cage has not yeah. a single original thought in his entire body. Yes. yes. So, oh no, as yeah. soon as we yeah. saw that, yeah. I was like, I walked oh, into this oh, room definitely. and I was like, oh, this looks exactly like that scene from that like android sex club. Tick something game. totally unrelated off, but <laughs> yep, there there we go. Person who's only played Detroit Become Human. Getting a lot of vibes here. <laughs> um, so he's, yeah, he's being gross and all over her and uh, the chief like asks her what's going on and she says out loud it's a sexual harassment but it's like being like coy And he's loud. like, oh yeah, I guess oh, it is. Yeah. No, he specifically says it's hard for like old habits to die or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And then he just keeps going. So much. He just he keeps just going. Keeps going. Yeah. 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 Because he's and that kind of like, rich piece of like, shit. She's like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Please, don't, don't kill him. Please don't kill him. Uh, so he continues being creepy, but then uh, she's like, okay, you've got the go-ahead to commence the operation. Uh, so she asked uh, Terukoro, do, do you want to, like, you know, have sex with my body while it's well, empty? And he's like, he, oh, yeah, I fucking he, do. He, well... Yeah, specifically, he uh, keeps, after explaining that these are all, like, bespoke artisanal haute couture models and stuff, he's like, would you like to try out any of them? You can you can swap into one of those and just enjoy it, see what it feels like, having the state-of-the-art, most artisanal parts. And she's just like, you just want me to be in one of them so you can fuck my shell? And he's like, ha, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got me. <laughs> and it's like... Fuck, this guy uh, sucks. It's all so perfectly shitty. This is like, this is pretty much like, I've never witnessed Epstein st- talking at any point, but I'm pretty sure this is how he acted. You know? Yeah. Whew, gross. But then she's like, well, how about we do it the opposite way? You ever felt like playing with a human being the way that you want with a puppet? I'll lie still with all my sense organs turned on. And he's totally into that. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I want to do that. Uh, so she like you know brings out and connects this cyber brain like the wire and connects into the back of him. Um, he then presses her back into the couch and starts getting real handsy, but she knocks him the fuck out. Thank God. And that's over. And by the way, the major the major had earlier mentioned after she had gotten groped, she was just like, "Don't worry, I already turned off all of my touch sensors, yeah, yeah, so I don't fucking life. feel this shit. I'm just ignoring it. Yeah. Like I I hate this so much, man. But at least I can just choose not to experience it. At least See, those are the this lines where I felt like she probably cut off a bunch of her sense uh, stuff when she first met him because she did not want to hear mm-hmm. him. So that's why she was standing so stock still. I can believe like, that. Yeah, she was just like, I am gonna switch off so much of my shit so I do not have to feel his vibes. Also probably don't want to smell this place. Into the internet. At all. (laughs) Yeah, just like, I'm going to post. Be right back. I'm going to a library to have a heated discussion. This seems also funny because like as after the major like hooks up like their like cyber brains together and he starts he starts like going down on her like a 16 year old virgin would and then like he immediately gets like knocked out but it looks like he just kind of like comes out there because he just falls over to the side like blank eyed. She does say if we'd gone any further you would have had a heart attack. Oh, which is a reference yeah. to the original manga, for what it's worth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So about Wait, to say, that's so. one of the Major's other fun stuff. And uh, that's not the one I was thinking of, but it is one of her pastimes as well. <laughs> Great. It's funny, the Major's what? a lot more chaste in this version than Ch- she is compared to the manga. Chopping dudes unconscious and making them nut? <laughs> 
no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> human to cyber fucking is apparently something that can cause like uh, heart attacks and shit. Ah. It's weird. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I assume it's fruit. because you put your penis in an electrical socket. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <Maybe. laughs> Who's could say? You know, if you put it in the wrong place, you're hitting some raw electricity there. It's like a USB port. You got to flip it over three yeah. times. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, she tells the chief that she's got the uh, the retinal cyber scans. He's like, okay, proceed to stage two. She just drops the dress and immediately changed back into the cat suit and puts on Where'd those VR goggles. Suit? Don't uh, worry she about was it. In a, she was in a pretty skimpy dress. He can turn like invisible, dog. The cat, the, cat the, <laughs> the suit was invisible the whole time. Let's just go with like, that. Oh, it's fine. I feel like that would have made the dress hang weirdly, though. Probably. Yeah. Maybe the guy was into that. Anyway, so she, uh, yeah, changes in, and then she opens up the elevator shaft, uh, is talking to Batman Tokes up being like, get a position, guys, and then just walks down that elevator shaft. She loves dropping, like, just, just falling. Yep. Hey, if like, you it's were not just out of buildings, damage, it's also too. in buildings. Like buildings. <laughs> if I could fall at terminal velocity and not get hurt, I would do that. Pretty great. Fun. Pretty yeah. sweet. Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Ty Tuesday. Welcome to my speed run at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> 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 uh, so Bob and Tokus are, are uh, in this lift with uh, the two AI ladies that they dressed up earlier uh, going down uh, to the vault. When the door opens, the two AI ladies step out and the guards are like, what the fuck? And the AI ladies are like, we were sent by the chairman, if you, if you know what I mean. And it's and like, the- if you're the security guard for this guy, you're probably like... Uh, he would do that when he gets drunk, wouldn't he? I mean, he's but, done that. I presume he's done that before. It's the perfect cover. These guys—they're actually not—they don't buy it at all. They—they just pull out. They're the oh, they're, they're immediately like suspicious yeah. of them. They—they they do, but, however, turn away from their screens, and Ishikawa uh, congratulates the Tachikoma who has switched the feeds, and the Tachikoma is like, "Yeah, I did. I'm so good at this." <laughs> this is and very they get just generic out. bank robbery, switching the. Uh, you know, security uh, camera stuff this is actually yeah this is also the first time they show off the tachikomas can do hacking stuff now yeah they are not just uh mobile artillery or mobile armor now they okay. learned to code at a summer so camp the question, the question i had here is those uh those two section 9 ai lady robots had fancy dresses on did someone have to go out and buy those for this mission because like probably I section oh, 9 oh, especially no. since it's hq got bombed to just have dresses laying around they just took some out of the major's closet Oh. I was going to say, they just asked one of the Major's many wives yeah. to lend <laughs> yeah. a couple dresses. Yeah. The Major was, was like, thinking, oh, like, I know people with fancy dresses. I'll get a couple of those. You're like Paz and Boma down at a Ross's for a dress for less or whatever, <laughs> trying to pick out stuff to fit these robots. <laughs> Boma's a Marshalls guy. <laughs> just that one scene from Sex in the City, uh, the movie, where they're like changing uh, outfits no. and it's just the two dudes standing outside like giving a thumbs up to the robot ladies as they come out and like one comes out in a sombrero and they just shake their head. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. So then I like a small <laughs> a little small device like rolls out from the lift and it like releases I guess some sort of gas and knocks the guards the fuck out. Um, Baz and Togusa were hiding uh, behind the like lift <laughs> like away from the door and they like, just peep out around it um, Baz was like well gotta wait for the major and she's like I'm already here and pops the hatch on top of the lift and just zips out to the vault entrance door and starts opening it uh, 
Toga says, like, wouldn't it have been easier for us to brain dive the chairman and just bring him down here rather than, you know, getting the, the, the patterns? But the manager's like, nah, there's something else we need him for. We can't have him down here. Love that Togusa does this twice. He's like, we should have just hacked the fucker and brought him down. Yeah. yeah. The thing is that he was right the second time. When he yes. brings yeah. it up the second time, it actually would have been way easier to just have him be down here. So they had to go with a more difficult second plan. Yep. <laughs> uh, so then, like, the, the drawers open and there's, like, the, you know, the stretch before the actual vault. And the Major throws a calling card into the area and it just gets immediately disintegrated by an invisible field. Uh, Togus is like, hey, can can we switch that off? I don't really want the major getting disintegrated. <laughs> getting chopped up like and, sushi. And Ishikawa's like, nope, can't do that. But uh, the major's just like, ah, it's not that big an obstacle anyway. But uh, that vault door, on the other hand, you're going to need to open that. Um, Ishikawa says that he finally found some like, plans. The vault must be like a, an analog model with four, like, Big old style locks. And you get a sweet 3D cut in of this analog lock. Yes. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the Major's super hacking isn't going to work on an analog lock. Um, so the Major then is like, well, how about going code B? And he's like, yeah, that'll work. You can probably cut through the struts of this vault with explosives, but you're going to alert security if you do that. And yeah, it's only a little thermite. Yeah. It's just a little explosion. Yeah. But uh, he's like, well, even if you do get in, we have absolutely no idea what this guy has set up inside the vault. And he's definitely booby-trapped this thing. He seems like the type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, ah, I'm going to go for it anyway. Uh, you know, it's a good thing that the money isn't the objective. And was like, well, fine, do it. But you've got to be on your own, no backup. And she's like... I'll be right back. And then she sick flips uh, into the vault past the invisible grid. It should be noted, the way that they got the C4 into the bank, like into the place, is that Togusa was wearing a fanny pack under his suit and he just like Uh, takes off his belt and hands it to her. (laughs) It's a cummerbund. He was wearing a cummerbund that was lined with explosives. Oh, it was in his cummerbund. That's what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Well, everyone lines theirs with explosives. Isn't that just what's done? Hot couture. That's why very people don't really wear carbons anymore. Exactly. They were they were very dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, back up in the in the sex bot room, uh, Chief wakes up the chairman. Uh, <laughs> I like I like how he wakes it up because the chairman's just like, oh, it's totally fine that the you know, my guy who's doing security found me face down on the couch after cyber fucking a bot. It's it's a very it's embarrassing situation. Issue. So he's clearly just trying to play it off while Aramaki is just. I- Stone face. Well, I feel like this has happened to him before. I feel yeah. like security. Yeah. Oh, this, this absolutely like, has a this has happened before kind like, of feel oh, to yeah, it. Oh yeah, is that the time? Oh, well, okay, is it nearly time for the heist? Yeah, it's nearly time for the heist. All right. Like Aramaki is not pushing him, so he's just like, yep, we're just going to go with this. Well, this is fine. So the chairman's like, well, nothing better happened, but... <laughs> Of course, Paz enters and is like, oh, no, the thief got past us somehow. <laughs> Sir, something has happened. Oh, yeah, no. It's impeccable timing. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, if this guy was any smarter, he may try to think that something's up. Nah. But... Nah, this dude is dumb as a rock. Uh, we get a brief shot of the baby on the roof. She's all antsy. wonder if it's time yet. Major asks her uh, how she's doing. She's like, I'm waiting for you to give the word. Um, back down at the vault, the Major uses C4 and blows the doors off. This should be bloody doors off, but uh, and then we see the the chief and crew running to the vault security room, 
Um, Toga says upstairs telling on the party guests because, like, the power's kind of gone out because of the explosion that, you know, everything's fine, no panicking, but for your safety, you should all just leave. You should all just leave in an orderly fashion. The animation of everyone running to the security room is hilarious. It's very bad and it's It's funny. funny. Yeah. It's barely a walk cycle. It's very Scooby-Doo ass. Yes. And uh, we then see that the chairman and the and section nine are watching the security cameras for the vault, and it's showing the major breaking in. Uh, instead of being like, "Oh no," the chairman instead gloats that she is trapped like a rat because if anyone but him enters, a second set of doors will shut behind them, and that set of doors cannot be opened without his ghost key. Um, there's also when you see the screen of the major breaking in, there's some bursts of static. Uh, in the monitor, which I'm sure... Probably not important. Unimportant. Um, so the chairman tells them that they should, we should really be looking for the hacker remote controlling the android, but uh, Bowser walks in and says, you know, this is either an autonomous AI or a full-body prosthetic. You cannot Again, find a remote control timing. Signal. Like, yeah. this guy says, oh, it could be something else. They're like, no, it isn't. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's literally not that, actually. He also hands over a second cash eye card, uh, card that has another warning inside. Uh, the chairman opens it up and reads it. We don't get to see it yet. And he clearly, like, is startled by what by he reads yeah. there. He's oh, like, fuck. oh, fuck. And he's like, oh, uh, could you come down in the vault with me to verify that this death was self-defense? I definitely he's, didn't kill this person. Yeah, he says this as he's loading like a Derringer. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he reveals that the vault is programmed to seal itself and create a near vacuum that not even cyborgs could survive. So if the major's in there, she's pretty dead. She's going to experience the vacuum of space. And uh, Bato is a little bit concerned about this. Uh, they go down to the vault and open it, but funnily enough, the major's body is nowhere to be found. Uh, the major then suddenly appears behind them back in her white dress, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry I was late. The chairman, <laughs> what a guy. What a stud. <laughs> he had a huge cyber dick. I, gross. Uh, the chief then, like, telepaths her, <laughs> being like, how's the fuck? And she's like, I had the baby Tachikoma make a virtual image of me going into the vault. And the baby goes... Booyah! It's so cute. I didn't go into the vault, you idiots. And Tachikoma's like, I knew that. Booyah! Oh, they're so adorable. Tachikoma has that booyah button from Splatoon. Yes. So the chief of the next is like, wow, you didn't exaggerate when you said your entire fortune is down here. Does this all belong to you? All this, your money. Can you say that into my lapel real quick? Yeah, say that for the record, can we? Uh, the chairman says, yeah, of course it's my money, because he's like, you know, look, he's distracted looking around for, for the major, like, like, for the body. Um, and she's like, well, major, check the cash. Uh, chairman's like, what are you doing? Stop looking for my money, we're looking for the thief. But the chief's like, this is actually all an elaborate setup. We received a tip that you were managing the hidden assets of the former party secretary. So we've conducted an investigation, <laughs> What do you know? The serial numbers uh, of your money match what the tax bureau told us about those hidden assets. So uh, book them. This money you've just said is yours in sequential serial numbers. I, I fucking love, love his face here, by the way. Because he's, yes. oh! he's got like a big old like wide open oh for a mouth because he's so surprised. Yes. It's great. And I also love that they catch the money laundering sex pervert king on tax evasion charges. Yeah, like, they did. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. How else are you going to get him? It's always tax charges. It's the only way you can get them. 
It's the only thing Sex that sticks. Sex not illegal. Yep. So they, they arrest him, and the uh, second calling card falls, reveals that it said, uh, like, National Tax Bureau, um, CID, we've come to investigate you. So that's why he was like, oh, God, I killed I killed someone from the I tax bureau. I killed a government ah, official. Fuck. This is going to be awkward. Ugh, better get this other official to say it was all, all good, actually. This motherfucking idiot doesn't know that the IRS guy doesn't actually put on a cat suit and go into a secret <laughs> underground vault to look at your fucking back taxes. Hey, hey, you don't this know is what that. we call a cyber audit. You don't know that they may do that in the year 2030. That might be what the IRS does. Uh, I hope they never get <laughs> um, As of this episode, it is 2032, by the way. Oh, yes, okay. Mm. Two, yeah, that's a whole other two years for the IRS to get on that. <laughs> get on those full body prosthetics. Uh, so back upstairs, Tokus is still evacuating the party goers. And instead of arresting them, they're basically cutting them all loose and having the Tachikomas take pictures of them so that they can like see where they flee to and, and find out more of the financial backers later. Yeah, Section uh, 9 is just blackmailing again. Yep. Yeah. And the babies, as they go by, call them perverts, which is very funny. Is this as they humans, take pictures of their faces while they drive by. Is this what humans call perverts? It's like, no, they're just eccentric. Yeah, they're rich, so they're eccentric. Yes. So, this entire plot of this episode is really actually a final wrap-up of season one, when you get down mm. to it. It was yeah. uh, it is just like the last bit of cutting loose of a of a plot thread that they plan on actually addressing. There's one more plot that, that they don't plan on addressing, and I actually have something to mention at the end of this, but keep going. But, uh, so now we were afterwards, and we appear to be on, on this, like, tropical island. The major is lounging by a pool. Uh, let's use the radio saying that guy was arrested and all that stuff. Uh, but I the scene, the scene in a heist movie yes. after they've yes. gotten the money and gotten away and they're all sitting on the beach in the Bahamas. Yes. One to but one. how did yeah. you do it? And, uh, Bato comes in wearing a Hawaiian shirt, carrying it's two so fruity good. drinks. I uh, love Hawaiian shirt Bato. <laughs> yes. Looks so happy to be there. He does look so happy. He hands her one. And Bato's like, you had me really worried for a bit. Maybe you should give the team a heads up when you're about to do that kind of shit. You're about to vacuum pack yourself. And she's like, nah, man, secrecy is the first rule of thievery. Uh, but then suddenly the window's like, like, like frizzle out and shows that it's actually like raining outside. They're, Rainy just, they're just in day. a building and it's raining. And the chief's like, stop it. Stop all that cat burglar stuff. Get back to work. The paperwork has been piling up, guys. Come on. Stop cosplaying. Stop You've got a TPS report to file. Yeah, th- so I was at the beginning of the episode. I was talking about how the, the major has a bunch of hobbies. One of them's jumping out of windows and turning invisible. The other major hobby she has is lounging around in the cyber beaches. This happens like a lot in the first manga where like she pretends she's on the beach in her house and it's just, you know, the windows looking like it's a beach. Fair enough. I bring the beach to you, I say. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she had to skip her vacation. That's the true. Give her a day off, right? I mean, not only did she skip her vacation, but she spent her skip vacation being sexually harassed. Yeah, that should get you double <laughs> vacation days. Mm-hmm. Paperwork, though. All right, that's episodes one, two, and three of season two. Yeah, so <laughs> I I remember looking ahead. Uh, Episode five, I think it is, is the one that starts up the this season's plot in earnest, and like it doesn't stop from there. Oh boy! So in that case, I think Doc has something that he wants to kind of close off from season one as well. Yeah. So I don't know if y'all remember. He's a very minor character, so I fully understand if you overlooked him entirely. But there's a guy called Fukami who 
is the policeman with a birthmark on his cheek that Togusa learns about interceptors from. Mm-hmm. Specifically, like, after having figured it out, he talks to us, a guy who was on the same team as the policeman who was assassinated by, you yeah, know, turning like in a off. cafe, right? Yeah, and he meets out with him in a cafe, and he's, like, talking to, uh, talking to him. He's the one who actually tells them, by the way, there's interceptors. They planted them in the, even the police and all of that. And uh, this guy right here, and this is actually an oversight by the dub of the show, um, is actually the guy who kills Nanao A, the guy who does the uh, the full... The hackening. The, the big hackening, yeah. The delayed delay action virus or whatever it was called. So they don't... The dub did not notice that this was the same guy and gave him a different voice actor. But this guy kills him. And then later on, at the very end of the series, after, you know, Serrano gets car bombed in the, like, end credits. That's and who it is. Okay. This guy was the one who did that as well. I, I thought we were supposed to recognize him, but I, like, couldn't remember who he was. There's a bunch of little bits and pieces over the course of the series of, like, Okay, so now A mentions that he was not the person who hacked into the uh, the aide during the superintendent's uh, like speech that he was going to give, Superintendent Dido, mm-hmm. for the police. Uh, he didn't do that. In fact, actually, the series never addresses who did that. Mm-hmm. And so, but he just says that it was uh, entertaining, but it wasn't my idea, and this is not when I was going to deploy the virus, but hey, it's a good time as any. Um, so he does that, and then he's immediately killed after deploying the virus by Fukami, by this guy uh, who mentions, hey, you know what? You dying is A-OK, and the police will think it was probably you, uh, as opposed to guaranteed you. So he actually makes life di- difficult for both Section 9 and the police. And then here's the other thing, is that he was also on security detail for Serrano. So he knew a whole bunch of stuff on the inside of what Serrano was doing right. that uh, everyone else did not. And here's the thing, is that while there was no original Laughing Man, technically, it, the entire idea was just, it was a false criminal I, like I, identity created by Yakushima to create insider fraud and blackmail. Yeah, like how he keeps saying, to, I never used that name to basically be like, that wasn't me. Yeah, and all of that. There was, however, still one person who allegedly had ties to Serrano who wrote up about how the uh, their micro-machines were not effective and left it on the internet somewhere. Chances are, since this is the only strange recurring element of the story that is acting somewhat independently, and also is the sole actor in the entire thing who got away scot-free, because it's never mentioned again most of the yep. time. Uh, honestly, if there is an original Laughing Man, it's that guy. But the He's, series will he never... the thing that Owie picked up? Yeah. Um, he, he, I believe so. But the thing is that the series will never say that, or, you know... Nope. It's just very likely because yes. he was connected to all the incidents from beginning to end and like had the amount of influence required and all that stuff. Yeah. So actually saying 100% that that was the original Laughing Man in quotes would actually go against the storytelling of the entire series. You know, yeah. Yeah. that would invalidate the entire standalone complex it presents. But he is the most likely person to have been the original Laughing Man as presented by the series. Yeah. That will never actually At least confirm the it. instigator... Yeah, the instigator of the Laughing Man incidents, yeah. at the very least. Yeah, and it yes. is really, like, he's acting in his own self-will, like, in basically all of these different instances that he's doing things, like, in his own self-interest. He isn't necessarily looking for the Laughing Man to happen so much as he's just happened to tip over that first domino while trying to do a little of his own blackmail. Yeah, and he just, 
the last shot of like any crime that was happening in season one is of yep. him doing a car bombing. I, and again, like, I thought that was a really weird scene. So it, it is nice to actually have some closure on that. Yeah. Confirmation that that was a person who had appeared before and not yeah. that it was just some rando. It, it also does read a little bit like a dropped plot that they probably might have gone. Very into, possible. Like, yes. Yeah. But it's, like that, it leaves it with enough of an interpretation that I find that I, interesting. I thought that maybe they were writing up season two at the time that like the end of season one was going and like, Oh, we can't have this guy here anymore. <laughs> oh, they definitely so were writing season two when season yeah. one was airing because uh, Yoko Kano has a three year advance like timeline for when she's allowed to actually provide like soundtrack. Right. And since season one and season two were only about two years apart. Uh, that means that they had to have been working on season two by th- yeah. uh, when mm-hmm. season one was airing. Yep. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's fundamentally just a theory, but it's one that has some evidence. So. Well, next time we'll be doing uh, episodes four, five and six. So until uh, then, catch y'all later. Space anime? Have we ever actually like legally hit space? We I can't remember. Space, Did we like? I promise you. D- does the vacuum okay. of a, sta- a safe uh, count as space? Sure. <laughs> this episode was a space. <laughs> there anime. we go. I fucking hold that. I, All right. Th- Catch y'all later. Space anime. Have a good night.